Hey friends, and welcome to Own Your Story Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna, here to spice up your life with unfiltered conversations about my personal story of owning who I am, as well as hearing from people who are stepping out and sharing their stories. You have something so valuable to share with the world, but let me guess, you've been holding yourself back for one reason or another. Well, I hope by listening here, you can feel inspired to start owning who you are and stepping into your power. So get ready to laugh, cry, relate, and learn. Thanks so much for tuning in and let's get started. Hi friends and welcome to my YouTube channel. What better way to start off with my first video than by telling about my story? I'm Jenna. I am a boy mom. I've got three little boys. I've been married for almost seven years and I work in the business development tech space. It was my day job and I'm also starting a podcast, writing a book, doing all the things. And I have felt, I felt nervous to do this because when you leave the Mormon church, people kind of want you to silently exit because it's kind of an uncomfortable topic. And I'm here to kind of set the record straight when it comes to me and my experience and also hopefully providing some people who are maybe on the fence some clarity as to why they might be feeling the way that I did in the beginning when we first decided to leave. And I just want to be able to connect with people in a way that I haven't been able to before. Sharing my story about leaving the LDS faith has been on my mind because, one, because I never thought I'd be doing this. <laughs> uh, I always thought that I would be a member for life. So doing this is completely out of the box for me. There's some anxiety, there's some excitement, I'm feeling a lot of things. So hopefully in this, I'm sure this will be a, you know, two part series, but maybe even three. But hopefully in this, you can get some understanding as to why. So let me just get into it. My, I wasn't a devout member of the Mormon church for almost 27 years. And I was born into the faith. I was actually adopted at birth. Um, so I was adopted through LDS Family Services, which I don't think exists anymore due to uh, legal reasons. But I look back on my childhood and there are so many fond memories that there isn't a part of my life that hasn't been really touched by the Mormon faith um, in some way or another. You know, the reason why we got married, it's I got married to my husband. It's the reason why I had my kids the way I did. It was the reason why I did everything in life. And now that I'm kind of going against the grain, it feels very foreign, but also feels very freeing. <laughs> yeah, 
very freeing in a sense of I'm opening myself up to things and conversations and people that I would normally never be open to. I think as a member, you know, there you kind of have more of a superficial relationship with people of your faith, but when you come from a high demand religion, there's very little room for things outside of your faith, meaning everything that you do involves some aspect of the church. Um, every Monday nights growing up, I would have family home evening. Um, we were taught to always have dinner sitting down together every night. Yeah, we weren't able to play with friends on Sunday. We went to three hours of church every Sunday growing up. I didn't ever, I drank coffee one time with a friend in high school and I felt like the biggest sinner ever. <laughs> and this friend, um, her family wasn't very active and the kids in my neighborhood actually kind of looked down at their family but that is that was kind of the normal thing if you didn't fit the mold you would either be judged or you know they would come up with some sort of reason as to why you know we were better or better off because of why we decided to stay members of the church so it's it's very eye-opening looking back and realizing how many things I was I was closed off to, how many things my parents were closed off to, my siblings. And I don't share these things to shit on all of the experiences. I feel like that's very a very black and white way of thinking. But these experiences are real. And they're worth they're worth sharing because there needs to be some awareness around this and this is just part of who I am. So if you're here and you want to know who I am and what I'm about and what things have happened in my life that lead to where I am now, all of this is part of it. So um like I said before, I was adopted at birth. My brother and sis my older brother and older sister were also adopted. My parents had quite a hard time having kids in the beginning and it was a real struggle for them so um the LDS church having an adoption agency was actually a big blessing for them um my brother and I are actually biological cousins so his biological dad was my biological mom's brother so when his parents decided to give him up for adoption, our amazing social worker still absolutely adore her to this day. Um, she called my parents up a couple months after and said, do you want another baby? And they were like, are you serious? And so, <laughs> and then there I came and it was, it was an awesome story. It's a fond story that I, yeah, look back on and I feel like everything has definitely happened for a reason up to this point. And yeah, being adopted, I didn't know. I knew that I was adopted growing up. I just never knew really anything about my family. 
that wasn't really part of the story. If anything, I was adopted and the sentiment behind it was I really need to be so grateful for what I was given. And I and I was and I grew up having that mindset because I because the thought around it was look, you know, you could have been a lot worse off. Had my parents known that? Probably not. Um, but that was, it was always, I don't think my parents meant it to be something offensive about my biological family. I actually had a lot of remarks growing up like, oh, I'm so sorry you were adopted. Kind of like, I'm so sorry you were forgotten about. But, <laughs> which I kind of find funny because... I didn't know what the hell. That was just my life. That was a part of who I am. So I think the adoption piece didn't really, I didn't make sense of it until um, later into my adulthood and what that meant. So yeah, growing up in the LDS church, you are, you learn from a very young age what's right from wrong. And uh, that definition is different, I guess, for different families. I have some, I have some friends who came from less strict households. I came from a, a pretty strict household when it came to living in alignment with the religious Mormon teachings. So we were expected from a really young age to understand and to live according to gospel standards. And I was always kind of known to be the trouble child, the one who would act up, who was naughty. I was the one to definitely get in trouble the most, yelled at the most. <laughs> yeah, looking back, I feel proud of my younger self for, for sticking up for me <laughs> in certain moments because I didn't know what was going on. All I understood was, I don't like that. So I would get in trouble because I, you know, didn't listen to my parents or want to really live by the gospel standards or, you know, be obedient, I guess. It was really hard for my parents to fit me in a box, per se. I learned from a really young age, too, that I couldn't really hang out with people who weren't members of our faith. Um, I remember a girl who lived, you know, we lived on a hill and she lived at the bottom of the hill and she was always really nice and I wanted to play with her. And I remember my asking my mom and she was a little bit weird about, about it when I asked her and, um, she just said, I don't know. They're not, they're not members. Like I don't really know their family. So maybe not, but I really liked her, so I remember being taught in church, like, hey, if you have any friends that aren't members of the church, you should give them a Book of Mormon. So I remember asking my mom, and she's like, oh yeah, go and share your, write down your testimony in the Book of Mormon. I think I was probably like eight or nine, and I wrote down my testimony in the Book of Mormon, walked down, gave it to her. And looking back now, I think her mom told her she probably shouldn't hang out with us because I think they felt judged. 
because that was kind of the only time I went over. My little self didn't care. All I wanted was a friend. But when you grow up in a high demand religion where probably 95% of my neighborhood was Mormon and that was the only reason why you were asked to come play or that a friend came over to give you a Book of Mormon, I could totally see why her family, <laughs> her mom might have responded that way. And then they ended up moving. But now I look back and there are so many experiences where I can't say that I wish I knew different because I didn't know. And I can't spend my time or energy hoping for things to have been different. If anything, they are now experiences that I look back on saying, I probably would have done this differently. How can I do that differently with my kids? One of the biggest struggles I think for me and my husband now is to, we're trying to decide if raising our kids in Utah is what is the best decision. And I say that because of Brittany. Um, I say that because of the non-members that grow up in Utah that feel outcasted only because they believe differently. And I want my kids to be able to have friends and to not be judged right off the bat for their belief system. So part of my childhood, there were so many great, amazing moments. I had some really good friends that I'm still, I still talk to and spend time with to this day, and I'm 30. Um, a lot of my friends have also left the church, and I think there's kind of a big, if you'd say, awakening um, in the LDS culture. I think there's a big awakening happening. It's it's interesting. Our our parents were just doing as they were taught. We were just doing as we were taught. So if we're trying to find a bad guy here, I don't feel like there's a bad there's there's no one to blame. Um if anything, this is just my story and my and the way that I've decided to let things play out. And I'm really grateful for everything that I've experienced up to this point because I don't, yeah, this, this is just my life and I'm accepting my life. And I think it was really hard when I first left the church to accept that I had dedicated my entire life to an organization that I no longer felt was true. And a part of that too was the the disruption of these generational cycles. My husband also comes from a very devout LDS family and there are generations and generations that have been part of this legacy, this Mormon legacy. So once we decided to leave, it was it felt like this weight on our shoulders like we're really causing some disruption here. We, there has been one way to live life. And, you know, usually I grew up thinking if you left the church, it's because, you know, you're going to hell and you've made bad life choices. And that's why your life is bad, per se. 
And now I'm realizing that has everything to do with the church's insecurity of losing its membership than it does to the individual person. There's a lot of fear-mongering, I think, when you leave the church. All of my ecclesiastical leaders, my church leaders growing up, this was the one and only true way to live life. And when you decide to not live it that way, things get a little... People start to act different. You realize who your real friends are. You realize who your, who your family is, who supports you in your decisions and who doesn't and who might have just been there um, because you aligned with their religious ideology. People are villainized when they leave, which is really sad. And when you're in the church, you're kind of, you kind of put yourself on a pedestal. And I don't think it's anyone's fault. I think that's the church's way of teaching that this is the one and only way to live life. And now that I'm outside of it, I see it for what it is. And I would have never been able to have a, this perspective had I still been in it. Because you're not open to anything that is contradicting church teachings and gospel standards. So, yeah, when I was when I was younger, there was a big emphasis on purity. So, when we decided to leave the church, it was kind of an earth-shattering experience for us. Um I don't know if anybody has seen these documentaries coming out under the banner of heaven, the FLDS church, all of these coming out. So the term scrupulosity, when I was kind of going through my unraveling of reading, you, they would say in the church, you'd call it anti-Mormon literature. Come to find out that that term was, that term was given by the church and it was positioned in a way that anybody who has an experience that is contrary to how the church wants to uphold their image that is what is perceived as anti-mormon literature so honestly to be quite honest i feel like a lot of my family and friends who are still very devout might take this this video <laughs> as anti-mormon and i don't see it that way you know, I think that's a really black and white way of, it makes me sad because I feel like there is so much growth and so much to learn from people's experiences. And when I would hear stories like this growing up, it would be like, oh, I can't, poor thing. You know, like she just didn't, she's, she's not going to go to heaven. She's not going to live with her family again because she didn't live this way. And that's for me now, that's a bunch of bullshit because what a mean God, right? What God, if we're, if we're supposed to come to this earth, gain a body, gain the experiences, why would God say, this is how you have to live exactly in order for you to return? And if you make any mishaps, or if you decide to leave this way and not come back, you are not living with me. That sounds like a really vengeful 
like not very loving God. And I don't believe, and I don't believe that for a second anymore. And so I hope people can get from this that there is that there is a more loving and understanding way of life. And if people decide to leave, it is not because they hate the church. It is not because it's not a black and white thing. For many of us, it has been a grueling unraveling process. It has been a disruption in the way we have always perceived life to be. And it is a way where I've been able to find myself and find who I really am. In the church, I was the Jenna who the church wanted me to be. I was the stay-at-home mom. There is the proclamation to the family, meaning a man and a woman are the ones who are to be married. And the man is the provider, the priesthood holder, the protector, and the wife stays at home, has all the kids, does all the homemaking, the, a very traditional way of living. And I no longer align with that. You can say that I'm maybe someone who doesn't like to be told what to do. <laughs> and for being someone who doesn't like being told what to do, I lived being told what to do for 27 years, and I did a damn good job of that. Now looking back, I it's interesting to see how many things played out in my life where my body, my mind, my soul was telling me, open up. There's more for you to learn here. But... You know, the cognitive dissonance that you experience inside a high-demand religion is so strong. Nothing else matters but you aligning with this ideology. Nothing else matters. Also, when you're a little kid, all you want to do is make your family proud. All you want to do is, you know, be accepted by the people you love the most. So the people I loved the most were devout members of the church. And I wanted to make them proud and I wanted to make them happy. And I think it's really hard being a member and having these things come up like, well, I don't, why is this the only true church? Well, what happens to so-and-so? They weren't a member and they died. I had my, my grandma, she wasn't an active member growing up and she passed away from brain cancer and I remember feeling terrified that I wouldn't get to live with her again because she wasn't active. I remember having that real fear so I was like she didn't live righteously and now I know that I, I know and believe differently but scrupulosity is a term I learned during therapy. And when I heard it, everything clicked. So let me read the definition for you. Scrupulosity is a psychological disorder primarily characterized by pathological guilt or obsession associated with moral or religious issues that is often accompanied by compulsive 
moral, or religious observance and is highly distressing and maladaptive. So, when I had read that definition, everything started to make sense to me. Little things, so when I would do, when I started reading things that were, you know, per se anti-Mormon literature, just church history and people's experiences, everything started to make sense to me. There began, there, I, I remember feeling like I was waking up per se. I was, yeah, I was learning what was for me, what was really for me and what was really not for me. And with that decision came a ton of weight. My mom told me when I told her that we were no longer attending church, she, she told me, we're going to live in a higher kingdom than you. In the LDS church, you, they believe in the kingdoms of glory. So there's the celestial, the telestial, and the terrestrial kingdom. And the celestial people are the ones who are going to live with God. The telestial are, I'm going to get those two mixed up, but the lower two are basically less than like people who are maybe not members and but who lived really good lives and then below them were like the murderers and the kill uh, murderers and the liars and people who just were not great people so my mom told me like you're gonna live in a lower kingdom than us and I was like well I hope you can visit me in hell <laughs> and she looks at me or this is over the phone and I could just feel her say this like well I really do believe we'll be able to come visit you and from that from her saying that there was a part of me who was like I will never be able to connect with her the way that I want to and that is just what happens when you're a part of the church you can't connect with people in a really vulnerable way anymore. I don't know if I really could in the beginning either. My mom and I always had a pretty tumultuous relationship. Um, and now looking back, there is so much uh, about the church that I was angry about because I felt like had we not been here, had we not been a part of that, maybe things would be different. You know, maybe I would have been able to connect with her in a different way or my dad or even my siblings. But I think when, in terms of scrupulosity, my everything derives from fear. So your decision to maybe not go to church one Sunday might not seem like a lot not being a member. However, when you are a member and that is doctrine and that is your covenant to God and you decide to just not go because you don't want to go, that was highly frowned upon. Yeah, looking back, there's a lot of things that I missed out on in life because of being a member of the church. I have co-workers now who ask me a lot about um, the LDS culture and a lot of them say, <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. I I have um, friends who have 
who send me memes sometimes about like college kids drinking on the weekends and like getting totally, you know, shit faced and crazy. And I remember texting a coworker back being like, I actually can't relate to that at all. <laughs> and I think too, it's interesting, like the perspective of how life would have been had I not been a part of this high demand religion, life would have been really different. And I think my main concern, what finally pushed me, to, there were a lot of things that led up to me leaving. I was also, I also decided to leave the church before Zach did. And I'm sure his family will blame me <laughs> for ruining generations of this Mormon, the Mormon way of life, but I decided to leave before him and it was really hard for my husband to hear some of the things that I was listening to, but it was hard for him. But at the same time, he's like, oh, I agree with that. I agree with why they would say that. I agree with, you know, yeah, why would we have to do and live a certain way? Um, all these examples. So Things we never did growing up. I never missed a Sunday unless I was sick. I never dated anybody outside of the church. And when I did, I brought him home one day to my family, and my family actually didn't even look at him. I brought him over. I think we were going to have dinner, and then we ended up leaving early because my family said nothing to him. Uh, and it was actually very awkward, but my family was justified in that because he wasn't a member. I think there's so many things that I look back on. I'm like, damn, we could have had a really good learning experience. You know, maybe, maybe things would have been different had I, had I lived and spoke in a different way or was a little bit more open-minded with certain things. I never dated outside of the church. You you live in this purity culture mindset too where purity meant in the eyes of my God, purity meant everything as a young woman. So purity culture was huge when it came to my upbringing. I was taught from a really young age about modesty and my mom would even add fabric to some of my two-piece swimming suit, so it would be extra modest. I also had to wear like those little bolero jackets to all my dances growing up because you couldn't show your shoulders because that's immodest. And shorts had to be like knee length Bermuda shorts. I learned from a young age to be scared of my body. And to not, along with not wanting to upset our, my parents, I didn't want to look bad in the eyes of God. And from a young age, I was so fearful of that. I was so fearful of, Jenna, you messed up again. You know, my, my parents got upset at me. You messed up again. You're going to hell. It was always that. Or go repent. So I would, so often, I would pray crying, kneeling by my bed as a little girl after I got in trouble from my parents, just praying that I would be forgiven of my sins for 
you know, being rude to my siblings or not practicing my violin long enough or doing these things. And I, I learned from a young age how to fear things and to fear this perceived God and to fear my parents and to fear looking, making my, you know, making the family name look bad. And that's so much weight. That's a lot of weight for a young to experience and to feel. And I remember my friends growing up, I would always like, you know, you kind of grow up in the, in the culture, in the LDS culture, you kind of grow up feeling like you can judge people for living a different way just because you feel like, you know, you might be living a better life than them because of your beliefs. And I don't think, and I think that was one of the biggest things for me and my husband and why we chose to leave is we didn't want our kids to feel this sense of like they could hold judgment over other people merely for their belief system. And yeah, there was a lot of people that I never gave a chance to because they didn't live the way that I lived. And I think there's a sadness around that. It felt that way in college too. Um, it felt that way, like I was entitled to my opinion because I was, I belonged to the one and only true church where now I look back and I'm like, how many opportunities did I miss out on with people? You know, I could have learned from a lot of different people. I could have learned and grown and learned how to be empathetic and learn how to connect in different ways. But it kind of goes back to the scrupulosity piece you do feel this immense guilt and shame for going against the grain. I remember the first time I drank coffee when I decided to finally leave. Um, <laughs> and it was terrifying. I remember looking in the mirror while we were driving to Dutch Bros. And I had no clue what the hell to even order. And I'm like 27, 20, no, was 28. And I remember like texting some friends and being like, what do you guys order? All my nuanced Mormon friends who were still members, but also like didn't live as strictly as I grew up living. <laughs> and I remember pulling in being like, I hope that no one sees us. <laughs> and it it took me a bit to start liking coffee. Now I'm obsessed. I think another big one too was when we decided to stop wearing our garments. Um, garments, you're taught that these are sacred. It's like sacred underwear that you wear. And it is a symbolism. Um, it symbolizes your obedience and your dedication to the LDS way. And there is an immense sense of guilt when you don't wear them. Because when you decided to go into the temple, which is where you get your garments, when you decide to go in there, you basically are saying, I'm committing to this for the rest of my life. And had I really understood the gravity of that decision and understood that I had a choice, things might have been different. But 
when we decided to stop wearing them, we also felt this crazy amount of guilt. I think my my parents did the absolute best they could when it came to raising us in the church. And their, you know, families plays a huge role in the church. And I think, too, I'm so grateful for understanding and feeling the immense joy that I have from my kids. I'm having a hard time knowing what to say and what not to say. I know there's so many, there's, this isn't a black and white scenario. This is very, you know, it's a very gray topic. <laughs> um, but if anything, I've wanted to share my experience to just shed light on what people experience inside the church. There is an immense amount of guilt and shame that you feel when you don't live a certain way and do a certain, yeah, raise your kids a certain way, treat people a certain way. And, you know, the things I'm very grateful for being raised LDS was the teaching of love one another. I feel like I understand that more now not being a member than I did being a member. Um, and I say that because I don't have the same mindset that I did when I was active. Um, when I was active, I said, we would say that, we would preach that, but at the same time, we were also talking shit on the people who didn't live our way. <laughs> so, um... Now that I'm outside of it, you know, people would say it's it's just now the other way around, but I actually have a lot of grace for people who have stayed and my friends who have stayed in the church and who do these things because that is their way of living. And who am I to say that their way of living is wrong? It's not to them. And if I'm a good friend and if I want to be, yeah, if I'm a good friend to them, I'll under, I understand. I understand why you would stay. And I also now understand why I left and why I'm, I'm really happy with my decision to not be a part of the church any longer. So I know there will be a part two to this. This was pretty long, but thank you for being here. I, if you have any questions, please leave them in the comments below. I would love to hear your opinion if you are LDS or if you're not, if you want to hear certain experiences or not. I wanted to add too that me sharing my experience has everything to do with how my life has played out and it has nothing to do with the people watching this. I don't want you coming into this listening here thinking she's so judgmental of other people who have stayed or the Mormons and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm just sharing my story. That's it. You know, if you want to take that as, you know, me being offensive, then I, I've learned too from an extensive amount of therapy that people perceive information through their own lens. And I'm... I'm sharing my experience from my own lens, 
and how you take this in has everything to do with your lens and how your brain processes data. So yeah, if you want, the way you respond is more to do with you than it has to do with me. And I hope after sharing these things, it comes off in a way that is more mutually understanding than vengeful. I don't feel like I'm in a vengeful place. I feel like I'm actually in a place where I felt a lot more peace and clarity and acceptance and love. And yeah, I'm really proud of that. I'm proud of who I'm becoming and I'm proud to come and share my story and it hopefully it helps you know if you're on the fence or if you are feeling a certain way about the church then I hope you listen to this with an open heart knowing that things do get better it's scary as hell in the beginning it's so scary to leave the church you feel like you're ruining your entire, you know, the generational cycles. You feel like you're ruining everything, but you're not. And I say that because if you have family members or friends who are upset with you sharing your newfound opinions and your new discoveries about the church, then that is just how their brain is processing your experiences. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. And so if they're reactive, if they're upset, that's not them. And you are allowed to live life the way that you want to live. Um, and we can't continue to be in this people-pleaser mindset because it hasn't been serving us for a while. And the second I stopped living according to how everyone said I needed to live my life was the second I started to find real, genuine happiness. And it feels really good. It feels really good not living the way that everyone in the church tells you to live because there are other ways of finding happiness. And... Yeah, you're not alone in the process. If you're going through these struggles, please email me, reach out, send me a DM on Instagram, um, TikTok, here on this YouTube channel. You're not alone and you're going to get through this. So stay tuned for part two. Um, I'm planning on sharing my mission experiences um, when Zach and I got married. If there are other things that you would like to know, please don't hesitate to comment. And yeah, thank you for being here. You are, you guys are awesome.